Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. It is Tuesday, the 23rd day of March. Asia Pacific shares are trading higher this morning on the back of a rally on Wall Street overnight. Tokyo is leading the charge. The Nikkei is up 0.8%. Sydney is up one third of a percent. Seoul is trading higher as well. Here at home, investors have some major corporate news to digest. Capital Land is going to privatize its property development arm. Joining me now to break down the story and all the market action. Happy Tuesday, Ryan. Happy Tuesday, Michelle. All right, let's start with uh, news of a major shakeup at Capital Land. Singapore's largest property developer is splitting its business into two. In a major corporate restructuring, Capital Land has announced that it will privatize its real estate development arm and create a new unit called CLIM, or Capital Land Investment Management, for its fund fit management and lodging businesses. So, Ryan, why is Capital Land doing this? What is behind its decision? to delist its property development business. Yeah, so this has been, in a sense, years in the making because Capital Land has reached a signs, a position where it now has to decide what it wants to do with its development arm and its real estate investment management side. So right now, you've got the privatization of the development side and the listing into a new entity with the real estate investment platform, the lodging arm. So these are actually very different businesses where you have the development side that takes years of returns. Just imagine buying a land bank, a land site, taking years to build it. So you're exposed to risks in terms of contractors potentially going bankrupt. You've got in the space of a few years, things can change on the macroeconomic side. So no business sentiment, consumer appetite could change. You also have regulation risks. For example, cooling measures could just take place. So all of that in the space of a few years, things can just change for a property developer. So you've got that side that is a bit of a um, drag in that sense versus the faster growing side, which is the real estate investment platform, which is where all the REITs are right now. So that is a faster growing side. So in that direction, in that approach, they are gearing themselves to become a more asset light and what they call a capital efficient business. So all this also reflecting a wider trend where you now have a change in business landscape where you want to be more nimble in capital markets. So Capital Land chasing faster growth then. Earlier this month, Capital Land reported dismal 2020 numbers. It lost $1.5 billion last year. Now, do you think these results led Capital Land's major shareholders to pressure it to shake up its business? Or is the move driven more by a view of where future opportunities lie? I think it's a mix of everything and definitely results do play a part. And where that comes in is how valuations to a certain extent are determined by the markets. And markets are typically um, discounting developers more rather than real estate investment manager companies. For example, Capital Land for quite some time has been flatlining or hovering around the $3 plus level. So it's a 20 or 30% discount to its book value. So that is the discount that the market um, attributes to it. If you look at a more purer place like real estate investment managers like Land Lease or Goodman Group, they actually trade above premium in Australia. So with that 
type of change in com- composition in the company, they think that perhaps they could get a better valuation in the markets if they privatize the development site. So in a way, they are gearing themselves for the future as well as trying to address this discount in the market that developer companies typically get. Now, from what you are hearing so far, how are analysts and investors reacting to this news? Yeah, so it's still early days, but going by the initial reports we are reading so far, uh, mostly they are quite positive. And I am looking at the latest recommendation coming through from IHB Singapore. Their latest recommendation is a buy call. So it reiterates a buy call. In fact, it has raised its target price from 375 to $4.25. So just to bear in mind, the latest closing price for Capital Land is around 331. So that is an upside of nearly 28%. So you do have some optimistic projections for Capital Land off the back of this merger. Of course, we've been talking about the valuations being um, adjusted once the development site is privatized. So that is going to do some um, support for Capital Land stock price as well. In other corporate news, ST Engineering is making a bid to buy a U.S. transport and defense company called Cubic Corp in a deal worth $2.4 billion U.S. dollars. So ST Engineering, not the only suitor for Cubic, but it is offering more money. So Ryan, tell us, what does engineering, ST Engineering really stand to gain if this deal goes through? Yeah, so this is pretty much in line with what ST Engineering does as a business. So if you look at what Cubic Corp does, it's an American business or rather American public transportation and defense company. And this plays into the domain of where ST Engineering has been growing. This is where Smart City um, projects are being built around, including mobility and transportation systems. And ST Engineering, not many people might realize, has a big presence or growing presence in the US in terms of defense systems. So this is also going towards that direction. So you have Cubic Corp now in the, well, up for grabs in that sense, and they have made a better offer, $76 per share, that is a better offer by 8.6% versus the $70 per share offer from a group of Veritas Capital and Evergreen Coast Capital Corporation. So that is led by Elliott Management. So you do have a bit of a bidding war going on. So it might not be the last of what we are hearing from this um I guess, bidding bidding um, competition. Um, but if they do get it, there'll be a couple of questions, of course. Yeah. SD Engineering is a Singapore company. Mm-hmm. And the big question is, will it be able to acquire a US defense company? So that is something that's going to be closely watched because uh, it will need the approval of antitrust uh, regulators. Mm-hmm. It will be needing the approval of the Committee of on foreign investment in the United States. But it's worth noting, it's not the first time ST Engineering has acquired a company in the US. In fact, it has obtained approval for its past 11 acquisitions successfully in the US Mm. by the Committee on Foreign Investment. So you do have a bit of a track record going. Mm. So you do know what they are going after and what they need to do. As you say, ST Engineering's bid for Cubic comes about half a year after that of its rival, backed by Elliott Investment Management. And because ST Engineering is not a U.S. company, there could be regulatory barriers that could scuttle the deal then. So how are investors reacting so far to ST Engineering's plans? Yeah, part of that address of um, that 
sensitivity issue is they are also partnering US asset manager Blackstone as a partner. So that could go somewhere. Uh, so far, going by the early trading, uh, we are tracking the STI right now. And we are looking at ST Engineering is now in the green by 0.3%, $3.86. So, so far, it seems like it might be reacting well. Another pair of local companies making the news today, but not for the right reasons, are Envy Asset Management and Envy Global Trading. Their director, Ng Yuchi, is being charged with cheating and fraud in the nickel markets. More than $1 billion is believed to be involved, making this one of the largest cases of financial fraud that Singapore has ever witnessed. So Ryan, tell us more. What exactly did Ng Yuchi allegedly do? Yeah, so to keep things simple, he raised money from investors, promised to buy nickel, but actually nothing was bought. So that actually amounted to a huge sum of money. And this was between the time frame of January 2018 to March 2020. All in, he raised, according to reports, nearly $1 billion. Mm. And on top of that, there was a um, charge where he now faces two charges of being a party to two firms of um, cheating a fund management company, Envision Wealth Management, and its CEO to the tune of at least $48 million. So this is a 33-year-old gentleman who now is in a lot of trouble for deceiving a lot of investors. Nickel has been in high demand as it is needed to make the lithium-ion batteries that power electric cars. So very believable meme, sort of, he was using the cloak... Um, what was going on. So, Ryan, let's switch gears to a little happier news. How much would you pay for a tweet? I would pay nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Why should I pay for a tweet? (laughs) Me too. Uh, It's official. A copy of Jack Dorsey's first tweet ever has been sold. You know, it's 15 years old this year. Uh, That very first tweet the world ever saw. Sold for nearly 3 million US dollars at an auction as a non-fungible token or NFT. They're so uh, a relatively new concept. Remind us what they are. Yeah, so non-fungible tokens, um, I would like to imagine it as a title deed to a digital asset in the same way that you might have a title deed to a house. So this title deed kind of gives you the ownership or at least some bragging rights to a piece of digital art or whatever exists on the cyberspace landscape. So you do have that ownership in that sense and that ownership apparently of that tweet is worth $2.9 million. And the winner or the person paying up $2.9 million is someone called Sina Estevi. He's the CEO of Bridge Oracle. It's a blockchain, blockchain company in Malaysia. So that is really raising eyebrows. And he's also in the running, or at least he was in the running for buying Elon Musk's song, uh, his tweet for NFT as well. well of course, uh, Elon Musk eventually changed his mind not to sell it. And who knows uh, what he's going to be buying up next. Yeah, the tweet, by the way, said, quote, just setting up my Twitter. And that was first published back in March 2006. Dorsey says he will be pro- donating the proceeds from his sale to a charity in Africa. 
Ryan, today marks the first anniversary of the US stock market's plunge last year. On 23rd of March 2020, US markets hit their trial. Stocks have risen some 75% since then. It is one of the has been one of the most phenomenal bull runs on record. And despite some up and downs overnight, the rally continued with tech stocks back in focus. Tech counters being weighed down by rising bond yields. That clearly wasn't the case overnight though, was it? Yeah, you do have a couple of factors raising market sentiment. Mm. And once again, it's a tug of war between value and growth over the past few weeks. But uh, you did get across the board tech stocks lifting the sentiment. And just to quickly recap, you've got the Nasdaq Composite leading the charge overnight. So we saw the likes of the FANG stocks, most of them up at least 2%. And all in, the Nasdaq was up 1.2%. The Dow was up around 0.3% and the S&P 500 was up 0.7%. So what did it do too well were financial stocks. The likes of JP Morgan Chase was down nearly 2.7%. So you do have a back and forth going on between value and growth. And that is likely to be the case. It won't be a straight line. It's likely to be jagged as we move towards potentially another new high. And what's going to lift markets to another new high potentially is more stimulus. And that is in the frame of discussion as we hear reports about a $3 trillion stimulus plan coming through from Joe Biden. So it will potentially encompass not just infrastructure, but also healthcare and education and many other things for the long-term growth of the US economy. Digesting market news for you. Let's check in on local stocks right now. The Straits Times Index fell 0.2% yesterday to 31.28. So how is the STI doing this morning? Yeah, quick look at STI. It's on a, right now, if it stays this way, a three-day losing streak. It's now underwater by 0.04%. And looking at the names we've been talking about, Capital Land, of course, let's start with that. It's up 17% at $3.87. That is, of course, off the news yesterday um, with that spin-off of its investment arm. So its trading halt lifted this morning and a sharp rise in the early minutes. And also in the frame, it is ex-dividend date for Top Glove. So Top Glove is seeing a bit of pressure. It's down 5% at $1.67. Uh, Yesterday, all three banks were in the red, led by OCBC, down by 0.7%. So far this morning, it is a rather mixed picture. You've got DBS down by 0.3%. UOB is up by 0.4%. And that is uh, right now playing out as well for the STI, looking rather split. So it is a mixed picture, a bit of caution on STI as we start the day. Thanks very much. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.